all my brothers and sisters in Christ. This morning, what I'd like to ask you to do is to take your Bibles and by way of a start, take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel, the third chapter, Ezekiel chapter three. Uh, Today, we will be looking at a number of uh, passages, uh, four primary passages we will be looking at. And what we will be doing this morning is that we will be looking at four of the Old Testament major prophets, uh, Daniel, I'm sorry, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. We'll begin with, uh, with Ezekiel this morning. But what I want to do particularly this morning is I want to look at uh, each of these men by way of the characteristics that we see in their life and in their ministry. The characteristics that we see primarily when we view them. Uh, there are certain uh, elements of their nature that become obvious to us as we read their writings. Certain, uh, uh, certain character traits uh, kind of bubble up to the top when we examine these men for who and what they are. And I want to use these four men and the four characteristics that we are going to deduce from their lives to consider this question or this issue with us, with you today. And it's this. I want to present to you the four characteristics of the prophets that are needed in our day. The title of our, of, our, of our message this morning, Four Prophetic Characteristics That Are Needed in Our Day. Now, in, in, in even introducing this subject, I, I'm very much aware of the fact that whenever we talk about prophecy in our day, many things have to be said by way of rightly framing uh, the, the discussion or rightly framing uh, the line of thinking that we'll be going down. When I talk about prophetic characteristics in our day, I am not talking about a type of prophetic message that we see in these Old Testament prophets whereby direct revelation was given by God to them and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit they wrote the scripture. I'm not talking about that. Nor am I talking about some of uh, our or some of your well-intended friends who may walk up to you and say, God told me to tell you to say this. I'm not talking about that either. But what I'm talking about and what I want to engage in is essentially this. Is it possible for for us as individuals and as the church of Jesus Christ to have a prophetic voice in the world today? Can we speak prophetically to this world? Can we deal or can we set forth the word of God in such a penetrating way that the word of God carries a weight beyond ourselves? That the Word of God has the full force of the Spirit of God who inspired it. And the Word of God penetrates in such a way that the Spirit of God works true conviction, true repentance, true salvation, true revival in the church and in the world. Well, again, to even ask the question, I think, presupposes a yes answer to that. And the reason why I believe that is because I believe that having the the Word of God in our hand and having the Spirit of God moving us and directing us, we can speak prophetically to this age. What is it then to speak prophetically? And if you'll allow me to to read my notes here. A prophetic voice in our day is a call to return or maybe for the first time obey the word of God in that specific situation where the word of God is either being ignored, dismissed, disobeyed, or actively fought against. I want to say that again. That a prophetic voice in our day is a call to return or for the first time obey the word of God in that specific situation where the word of God is being ignored, dismissed, disobeyed, or actively fought against. We live in a day that's characterized by those very things. 
We live in a day where the word of God is ignored. We live in a day where the word of God is dismissed. We live in a day where the word of God is not only disobeyed, but in some places it is actively fought against. And because of that, you and I as individuals, and hopefully by the grace of God and through the spirit of God keeping his church, the church still can speak prophetically to this day. I would go on to say this. Uh, it is the voice of God as revealed in Scripture and spoken through individuals filled with the Holy Spirit to a current sinful situation that is either being eagerly embraced or wickedly, wickedly ignored. A sinful situation is either being eagerly embraced or wickedly ignored. What do I mean? Sin that is apparent, eagerly embraced. Sin that is on the surface, uh, willfully ignored. That ought not be going on. This prophetic voice, and this is important, this prophetic voice knows no limitation in its application. And it is to be directed to the sin of our own heart, number one, the sins of the church, number two, and the sins of society, number three. But having said all this, I believe that God does have, even in our day, a prophetic witness. And a prophetic witness is possible. I'm reminded of Paul's uh, injunction to Timothy where he says, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Repro reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Preach the word. Proclaim the word of God in any situation, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. And so again, by the grace of God, what I want to do here today is not so much give you a specific prophetic word, but if I can... I want to set before you characteristics that are necessary that, or, that, or that ought to go before us in order that we might speak a prophetic word in this day. There are certain characteristics that God forms in individuals to make them fit and suitable instruments to their age. This is what the prophets were. They were suitable instruments to their age. And because of these writing prophets, they are suitable instruments to all ages. And in our day, I believe that the Spirit of God is still working, again, in something of the same way. As I said before, not giving new revelation. There's no new revelation. A prophet uh, doesn't have new revelation, but what a man of God hopefully will do is give you deeper insight into the Word of God, to make penetrating application of the Word of God, to have the Word of God expressed in such a way that the Spirit of God drives it home in the hearts of the hearers. Amen. And so what I hope to do by the Spirit of God, and pray for me, brothers and sisters, throughout this whole thing, what I hope to do in, this, in our sermon here today is set out four prophetic characteristics that are needed in our day. And the first characteristic that I want to draw your attention to is found in Ezekiel, the third chapter. Hopefully you're there. Ezekiel chapter 3, and I want to take a look at verses 7 through 11. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Well, from our opening reading this morning, you saw the, the burden that, that, that Ezekiel was under. You saw, and I have to admit, I almost hesitated making that our morning reading. Why? Because there was no offer of grace in that, in that pronouncement of judgment. And there are things pastorally that I have to be aware of. I have to be aware that when you come into this place to worship God, you need to hear the grace of God presented to you. Oh, but woe to us if we only, again, preach these things on the grace of God. When God is exposing and dealing with sin, these things must be paid attention to. And so again, what we see then in, in, the, uh, uh, in Ezekiel is something that we will see as our first characteristic. Well, let's look here at Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 7 uh, through 11. 
Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And we read the following, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thy heart, and hear with thy ears, and go and get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear. forbear. Well, the first characteristic that I want to set before you that I believe is needed in our day, if we are to have a prophetic voice in the world at large, is that we must have, are you ready for this, we must have a forehead like Ezekiel. A forehead like Ezekiel? What do I mean? What did you see in the passage of Scripture what God said to Ezekiel? God said to Ezekiel that he was sending him to a people that are of these hard faces and these hard foreheads. And what what God was saying to Ezekiel was essentially this, that he would so prepare him by way of hardening him for the task at hand. So Ezekiel would be made fit to the situation. And so the thing that I want you to see here is this, is that what God is doing in this passage of Scripture, He is preparing Ezekiel by way of strengthening his resolve and strengthening his will to do all that which God had called him to do. There is a sense in which you need to understand that in our presentation of the Word of God to this current age, you will be looked at with these hard faces. In our presentation of the word of God to our present age, you will be looked at in such a way. We use the expression, you know, when the daggers come out. And so what God is saying to Ezekiel and what is needed in our day are foreheads like flint that are set resolutely to doing the will of God, to proclaiming the will of God to the day and age in which we live. Now, again, it's very interesting when we take a look at this passage of Scripture and some of the details And what God is saying to Ezekiel is something that's kind of interesting because we see this over and over again in the prophets. God is saying to Ezekiel, you go to these people and you preach to them. They're not going to listen, but you preach anyway. You let them hear the word of God. You don't adjust the message. You don't change the message in order for for you just to have them uh, treat you easily. You give the word of God as it is given to you. And notice what he says here in verse 7. He says, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. For they will not hearken unto me. Why will people not hear preaching in in, in our day today? People do not countenance preaching in our day because they do not, they will not hear the word, they will not hear God speak to them either. The refusal comes not because of Ezekiel, the refusal comes because they have first rejected God. We're reminded, are we not, of, uh, of, the, of the words of God to Samuel when, when Samuel was, was, was grieving over the fact that Israel wanted a king just like the other nations. And what does God say to Samuel? Again, they've not rejected you. They've rejected me from being king over them. And so what we see here again is this, this hardness, this stubbornness in the will of fallen man to re, uh, against receiving the things of God. So again, notice what he says. He prepares them for these things. They will not hearken unto you because they will not hearken unto me. But the other thing that I want you to see is this, is how that God prepares Ezekiel for the task. Did you see this here in verse 8? Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. There was a divine activity taking place in the life of Ezekiel. And what God was doing in Ezekiel, God was saying to Ezekiel, come on, Ezekiel, I know you have it in you. 
Come on, man up here now, Ezekiel. You know, come on, pull yourself together. That's not what's happening here. God was equipping Ezekiel by way of a supernatural work of grace within his heart. God was forming in Ezekiel everything needed for the task. And it is our prayer today that God would do that same thing in men today. That he would equip men for the task. That he would, that he would equip his church for the task. Now what's an amazing thing to see in our day, and, and again, I say this almost with a little bit of, uh, almost with a little bit of, uh, how can I say it, maybe jealousy is not the right word, but uh, uh, lament is not the right word. Uh, but what we see in our day is something like this. Oftentimes in our day, the most strident and the most clear voices for the cause of God in our day oftentimes come from the women among us. But that's not a I, I thank God for that. I thank God when a, when, when a woman under the inspiration of the Spirit of God speaks for the cause of Christ. But I'm somewhat embarrassed by that. And I say, where are the men of our day? Where are the men who God has called to be godly witnesses in our day? Ladies, continue to witness boldly for Christ. But may God raise up men in our day to preach the word of God as it ought to be preached. May God do in us what he is doing, what he had done here in Ezekiel. I have made thy face strong against their faces. Look again here in verse 9. As an adamant harder than flint, I have made thy forehead. Here is God preparing, hardening Ezekiel for the task. I love this. It's a thought that goes something like this. When, 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 when the church finds itself uh, in an age where hard-hearted sinners are on every hand, oftentimes God raises up hard-headed preachers to declare the truth to them. Hard-hearted sinners and hard-hearted preachers. I'm sorry, hard-headed preachers. Uh, the, the, foreheads, uh, the, uh, the forehead prepared uh, by God. And so again, this preparation that God is doing. And the preparation is seen, again, not only in the activity of the prophet to those around them. The activity is seen by way of how the prophet internalizes the word of God. Look here, in verse, look here in verse 10. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thy heart and hear with thy ears. Well, isn't this the first requisite of any kind of quote-unquote prophetic voice that we might have in the world today? The word of God must be that which we personally have received and which we personally have taken, which we have personally taken to ourselves. And there's in one sense Ezekiel can't go forward unless he has first done this. So he says to Ezekiel, receive in your heart. And then notice what he says here in verse 11. Go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them. And listen to this. And tell them, thus saith the Lord, whether they hear or whether they will forbear. God is saying to Ezekiel, whether they listen or not, you say, thus saith the Lord. Whether they listen or not, you give to them the word of God. That is the prophetic voice in our world today. The word of God applied to the situation. And understand, a prophetic voice, if I can say it this way, is not merely speaking of sins that are far away. A prophetic voice is not merely speaking of sins that are out there. The prophetic voice in one, in one sense knows no boundary. It goes internal as much as it goes outward. It takes the word of God to heart with personal sins as much as it does sins in the church, as much as it does sins in the world. This is what a prophetic voice is. It's the word of God presented in such a way, the word of God read in such a way that there is a particular incisiveness in its, in its penetration to the soul. And may God give us more of that in our day. 
And so Ezekiel's ministry was a ministry uh, to a hardened people. And so what God would do is that God would fit him out for the situation. God, this, God did this uh, uh, for Jeremiah as well. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 20, God says to Jeremiah, And I will make thee unto this people a fenced, brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Here is God equipping and preparing his people for the day. So the first characteristic that I would present to you is the characteristic of the forehead of Ezekiel. But this is not the only characteristic that I would set before you. And as a matter of fact, I would say this. If that's the only characteristic that we bring with us to our witness to the world at large, I think we are coming far below what a prophetic witness truly is. For while we must stand against the onslaughts of wickedness in our day, and while we must stand against the subtleties that seek to slowly move us away from biblical convictions, and while we need a forehead of flint in order to, keep, in order to be faithful and all that, the, 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 this first characteristic of the forehead of Ezekiel is not sufficient. There is another characteristic that's needed. And that's not the forehead of Ezekiel. The second characteristic are the eyes of Jeremiah. The eyes of Jeremiah. Why do I say the eyes of Jeremiah? Am I talking about something about Jeremiah's sight? Something about his physical vision? Is that what I mean? That's not what I mean. But when we look at Jeremiah, how do we know Jeremiah? How does Jeremiah come down to us? Jeremiah comes down to us as the weeping prophet. And I want you to see and I want you to understand that if we are to have a prophetic voice in our day today, we must be able, like Jeremiah, to weep over the sins of ourselves, the sins of the church, and the sins of the world at large. You see, a hardened forehead is not sufficient to speak prophetically to this age. We must be able, like Jeremiah, to weep over the sins of this age as well. And so the second characteristic that I set before you once again are the eyes of Jeremiah. Take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17. And in this passage of Scripture, we again see God preparing uh, His prophet for the task at hand. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17. And here Jeremiah is in the middle of something of a lament for the people of God. Notice in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 17. And we can start with verse 12. And here is again the, the, the word coming through, through Jeremiah, the word of God coming through Jeremiah. Therefore thou shalt speak unto them this word. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Every bottle shall be filled with wine, and they shall say unto thee, Do we not certainly know that every bottle shall be filled with wine? Verse 13, Then thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will fulfill... I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm, uh, forgive me. Um, I didn't mean to go back that far. Let's go to verse 17 here. I, I apologize for that. Verse 17. And actually here, we can start with verse 15. I apologize for that. Jeremiah chapter 13, uh, verse 15. Hear ye, and give ear, and be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God, before he cause darkness, and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains, while ye look for light, and turn it into the shadow of death, and make it a gross darkness. But if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall, shall weep sore and run down with tears because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. The second thing I want you to see here are not just merely the forehead of, of Ezekiel. I want you to see the eyes of Jeremiah. 
And what we see in the eyes of Jeremiah is a man who is so affected with the sin of the nation that he actually weeps over their sin. And not only over their sin, he weeps over the fact of what their sin will bring them to. And what I want you to see here is, again, as we work through the passage in Ezekiel, we can work through this passage in, in Jeremiah. Notice why Jeremiah is heartbroken and weeping. Number one, he says in verse 17, but if you will not hear. This is in one sense the same thing that Ezekiel was dealing with. Dealing with a people who hear the word of God yet refuse to hear the word of God. Dealing with a people who's the, where the word of God comes into their hearing, but it sinks not down into their heart. And Jeremiah is saying this. If you will not hear, my heart will weep for you. He doesn't say, if you will not hear, I will be stirred up with righteous indignation. He says, no, if you will not hear, my heart will weep. My eyes will cry. You see, the second characteristic we need to be prophetic in our day are these eyes of Jeremiah. These eyes that see the folly of sin and weep over individuals because of that sin. And so again, Jeremiah weeping because of the fact that the, the, the people will not hear. The second thing that we see here is this. We notice there's another reason why Jeremiah is weeping in this passage of Scripture. Notice what he says. But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places. Notice this. For your pride. You see, it's the same thing that, it's the same thing that, that Ezekiel was dealing with. They would not listen to Ezekiel because they would not listen to God. Here in Jeremiah, they will not hear God because of their own pride. In a very real way, many people engage the, the, the proclamation of the word of God much in the way that the people uh, at, the, at the crucifixion of our, or when our Lord Jesus Christ was on trial and, and Pilate presented to them Jesus Christ. And what did they say? We will not have this man to rule over us. You see, the world at large does not want the word of God to rule over them. The pride of the heart. What is it about this thing of pride? This, this deadly sin as it was known in medieval times. This sin which is a root sin. This sin which causes many sins to spring from it. This sin which has so much of a satanic element to it. I will, Satan says, you know there in the passage of scripture. And so again, all these things by way of pride. And so here is Jeremiah weeping because of their pride. Now I know, I, 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 I bring your attention again. Not stirred to righteous indignation, but weeping. The third reason why we see him weeping here is again in the 17th verse at the end where he says this, because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Now, we know, you know what's amazing here? Here we see Jeremiah not saying, my eyes shall weep because the honor of God is dragged into the streets. He doesn't say that. He's not saying, my eyes shall weep because the glory of God is, is diminished by your disobedience. He doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, my eyes shall weep because of the captivity that's about to come. Because the repercussions of your sin are going to come crashing down on you. And Jeremiah says, that's why I'm weeping. That's why my heart is broken. And I ask you the questions. I ask you the question, my brothers and sisters, and why I said before, I said this not in by way of a question, but by way of an assertion. We cannot be prophetic in our day. If we cannot weep, if we cannot mourn, over what a person's sin will bring upon them. Over what a society's sin will bring upon them. We may be pretty good by being stirred up to quote-unquote righteous indignation. But can we weep for the misery that those who are blinded by their sin are rushing headlong into. That's exactly what Jeremiah... And this is something that's consistent with Jeremiah. Listen to these other passages, passages of Scripture where Jeremiah weeps. 
Jeremiah 19.15 Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon this city and upon all of her towns all the evil that I have pronounced against it, because they have hardened their necks that they may not hear their words. This again is bringing this sorrow to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 22, verse 21, I spake unto thee in thy prosperity, but thou saidest, but thou saidest I will not hear. This hath been thy, thy manner from thy youth, that thou obeyest not my voice. And again, this is why Jeremiah weeps. Jeremiah 25, verse 4, And the Lord sent unto him all of his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear. And this is why, again, Jeremiah weeps. Jeremiah 9, 1, Oh, that my head were waters and that my eyes were a fountain of tears, that I might weep night and day. Listen to what he says that I might weep night and day for the slain of the daughter of my people. He doesn't say that I might weep, and he would be right to do this. He doesn't say that I might weep night and day for the dishonor that's brought upon our great God. May God give us tears that way as well. But here he's weeping because of the judgment that's about to come, because of the repercussions of sin. Jeremiah 14, verse 17. Therefore thou shalt say this word unto them, Let my eyes run down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach and a very grievous blow. You see, Jeremiah weeps. Why? Because he sees the repercussions of sin. So my friends, what I would say to you is this. If we are going to be prophetic in our day, we must not only have the forehead of Ezekiel, we must have the eyes of Jeremiah. We must not only be resolved to declare the word of God to the world in which we live, to the churches in which we congregate, to our own personal uh, conduct, we must also weep with the repercussions that sin will bring upon a people. So the eyes of a, of a Jeremiah, the forehead of, uh, of, of an Ezekiel. Well, the third characteristic I want to set before you, uh, again, not the forehead of Ezekiel, not the eyes of Jeremiah, but the third characteristic that I want to set before you is what I would call the insight of Daniel. If we're going to be prophetic in our day, we need something of the insight of Daniel. Now, Daniel is a very interesting character. Uh, all these men are. These, these men are all worthy of lifetime of study. Uh, these men moved by the Spirit of God. These men writing under the direct inspiration of the Spirit of God. These men having revelation given to them in, in such a wonderful and beautiful way. There, Daniel, though, is a, is, is a particularly interesting individual and for a number of reasons. Because while we will be focusing on the insight of Daniel, what we see in Scripture is that Daniel is a man of many commendable uh, qualities. Many commendable characteristics. All that would be needed in a day where a prophetic voice needs to be heard. Many of you might remember that uh, 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 from your Sunday school days, that little song, Dare to Be a Daniel. And we're reminded that Daniel was a man of resolve, was he not? Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. There was Daniel with his resolve. Certainly resolve is needed in our day. Certainly resolve is needed if we are going to have this prophetic voice. It kind of reminds us something of the, of the commissioning of, of Ezekiel even, this idea of resolve. But the other thing that we see about Daniel is this. Not only was he a man of resolve, we also see this about Daniel. Is that Daniel was a, was a man of great prayer, a great man of prayer. And what's interesting about Daniel is that he was, very, he was a very effective prayer in, a number, in all the aspects of prayer. Whether it was supplication, whether it was intercession, whether it was the giving of thanks. Daniel was a man who was known for his prayer. And as a matter of fact, shortly we're going to take a look at Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, which contains one of the great prayers in all of Scripture. But what I want to see and show you here uh, to hear about, by concerning Daniel is that Daniel was known even among his contemporaries as being a man of great and effective prayer. 
when, when God is speaking to, uh, to, to Ezekiel and about the judgment that's to come upon the people, God says this to Ezekiel. He says the following in, in Ezekiel 14.20. He says, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. Noah, Daniel, and Job. All three of these men have aspects of intercessory prayer uh, woven into their, into their accounts in Scripture. Though Noah, Daniel, and prayer, uh, I'm sorry, though, uh, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall neither deliver son nor daughter, but they shall deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Here was Daniel, a man of great prayer. And if we're going to be prophetic in our day, you, you know it goes without saying, but it must be said. We must be people of prayer. Amen. It's Amen. prayer that, can, that gives vitality to the word of God. Amen. And so again, we need to be a people of prayer. But the third thing that we see about Daniel that is useful and it's necessary uh, for a prophetic witness in our day was the character of Daniel. So we have Daniel in his resolve. We have Daniel in his prayer, prayer life. But what I would call that, that, that character of Daniel, and maybe that's too general a term to use, so I'll kind of narrow it down here. But the, but the excellent qualities that were connected with Daniel's life. You know the passage of Scripture, Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding of interpreting dreams and showing this hard sentences and dissolving doubts were found in the same Daniel. Here is Daniel, that man of an excellent spirit. And what's wonderful about that and what's needed about that, if we are going to give a prophetic witness in our day, is essentially this. That there must be something in, the, in our lives which causes the words that we speak resonate. How many times, and I've said, I've said this in the past, our lives ought to be the platform upon which we proclaim the word of God. You understand? Amen. You're constructing a pulpit in every day of your life. And that pulpit that you've constructed, is it made of bug-eaten wood that won't support you when you stand up to proclaim? Or is your life that life of an excellent spirit a life that causes people to, to, to look and to see and understand, well, you know what? This, I know something about this man or this woman. There's a quality there about him or her. And so here was Daniel, a man, of, uh, a man of an excellent spirit, a man of resolve, a man of uh, great prayer, a man of an excellent... And these things are needed if we're going to have a prophetic voice in our age. But what I want to point to specifically about Daniel isn't, again, as it, it isn't Daniel's forehead, it isn't Daniel's eyes, it's Daniel's insight. And what insight this man has. Take your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And we read the following. In the year of Darius, this, I'm sorry, I'll let you get there. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, we'll look at verses 1 and 2, then we're going to look at verse 3. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. In the year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, what does this all mean? And where am I trying to, what am I trying to gather from this by way of insight? What I want you to see is essentially this. Picture the scene for me. Jeremiah lived somewhat prior to Daniel. Not much, but somewhat prior to Daniel. And there is Daniel in the land of captivity. The judgment of God on the sinning nation. You remember the promise of God to his people is that he would bring them into the land. The judgment of God is that he would remove them from the land because of their sin. And so there is Daniel, along with the people of God, in the place of judgment. 
And in the place of judgment, this man Daniel takes up the word of God. He's not one of those individuals, if I can say it this way, who in the place of judgment gets mad at God and never has opened his word. He's not one of those individuals who in the place of judgment say, God shouldn't have done this to me. He's that individual who in the place of judgment understands the nation's sins and his own sins. And what does he do? He takes up the word of God. And if we're going to be prophetic in our day, we must be able to gauge the day and age in which we live in light of Holy Scripture. We must be able, like Daniel, to take the Scripture and see in it God's purposes and God's program. We must be able to read the Scripture and be able to stifle, or not so much be able to be able to uh, uh, clo- be able to not allow voices to come in that make us think that God, in somehow, in some way, is not as angry at sin as He once was. These 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 ideas are they're worse than foolishness. They're blasphemous. God has not changed in regard to His sin. In, in, in regard to uh, the, uh, human sin. He's not, re- he's not changed in regard to his attitude towards sin. Yeah. And so again, what we see and what we understand is here is Daniel, this man that God gives insight through his word. And you see, that's how you understand the day and age in which you live. We thank God for our, for our news organizations. We thank God for uh, you know, when they get it right. Um, and again, all that. See, and that's what you have to deal with when they get it right. But what did Peter tell us? He said, you have a more sure word of prophecy that you do well to take heed unto as a light that shines in a dark place. That's what Daniel was doing. He was in a dark place. He was, on the, he was in the place of judgment. But the word of God was open to him. And isn't it a wonderful thing to see? And what does he do? He reads the writing of Jeremiah. And you know what he comes across? He comes across Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12. And it says this, And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans I will make perpetual desolation. It will come to pass when 70 years are accomplished. There's Daniel reading the word of God. He says, you know what? These 70 years are almost up. We've been here almost 70 years now. That means, God, that means God's going to act. That means God's going to work. You see, Daniel wasn't like, I wonder if God's going to work. I wonder if, God's going to, I wonder if God can still do anything in our day. I wonder if the power of God is still what it was uh, 70 He doesn't say that. No, he, 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 he understands the day and age in which he lives. And I'm saying to you, if we're going to be prophetic to our day, we must understand the day and age in which we live in light of Holy Scripture, not in light of the commentators of our day. Not in light of the philosophers of our day, but in light of what Scripture says. And this is what Daniel... But notice what else Daniel does. If you go down there to verse 3, in Daniel chapter 9, in verse 3, what do we see here? Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting, fasting and sackcloth and ashes. What does Daniel do? Daniel sees the day and age in which he lives. He understands it in light of Scripture. And he goes to God in prayer. You see, if we are to have a prophetic voice in our day, this is, the, this, is, this is the very sum and substance of what our life must be. It must be a godly interaction, a humble interaction, a, spirit, a spirit-filled interaction with the Word of God. It must be taking the Word of God in all of its power and all of its seriousness, believing that God is still able to do today everything that He promised to do. And then going to God in prayer. Going to God in prayer in such a way as that we lay before God the very promises that he has made and saying humbly but yet with confidence and a certain element of boldness before God, Father, I believe you're going to do exactly what you have said. You see, this is the incisiveness. This is the penetration. This is the power of the word of God to a sinning nation, a sinning church, a sinning soul. Let the word of God go forth in the power of the Spirit imbued with prayer. And how we thank God again for these men 
We see again the forehead of Ezekiel. We see the, the, the eyes of Jeremiah. We see the insight of Daniel. But there's one more uh, prophet that we must look to get, the, uh, to get something of a full-orbed uh, understanding of the characteristics that we need in our day to have a prophetic voice. And the, last, uh, and the last characteristic that I want to point you to is the characteristic that we find in Isaiah. Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And what we find in Isaiah chapter 6 is essentially this. If, if Ezekiel had a forehead of, of, of flint, if he, had a, if he had a forehead that was fitted for the situation, if, if Jeremiah had eyes that would weep, if, uh, if, uh, if Daniel had, had insight into the word of God and into the uh, contemporary situation, you know what, he's, you know what Isaiah had? In one sense, Isaiah had that which is most preeminently needed in our day. Isaiah had a vision of the glorified Christ. Isaiah had a vision of Jesus Christ, high, exalted, and lifted up. When you go to that sixth chapter of Isaiah and you read the whole account of what Isaiah sees, what does he see? He sees the Lord God Almighty high and lifted up. He hears the angels sing out, holy, holy, holy. He sees glory all around him. He sees himself for what he is. He is a man of unclean lips and he dwells in a people in the midst of an unclean, uh, in, in, in a land of, of unclean lips. And it reminds us this, when Daniel confesses his sin, and when, the angel, and when the angel cleanses his lips, it reminds us that there can be no prophetic voice in the world or no prophetic voice to a contemporary situation when we ourselves are imbibing the sins of the culture. Amen. Daniel said he lived in the midst of, a, of an unclean... He had to have his lips clean. But then when it was... And so what I'm saying to you, this final characteristic then is this, that we must have, above all things, a vision of the exalted and glorified Christ. Now, why do I draw your attention to Jesus Christ in this passage of Scripture? Here we have in the Old Testament, Christ was not even, he has not even come in the flesh yet. But we know what, our, what the Bible teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ. There he is in eternity past, eternally exalted with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit, eternally exalted with the Father and the Son. This, this great and glorious triune God making this manifestation of glory here in Isaiah chapter 6. And when, and when the gospel writer John comments on this passage of scripture in John chapter 12, verse 41, what does he say? John says this about Isaiah's vision. John says in the NIV, and, and John says this as it's translated in the NIV, Isaiah said this when he saw Jesus' glory and spoke of him. This was a vision of the exalted Christ. And what's amazing is that each one of these, each one of these prophets had, had, had what we would call these, these, these insights or these visions of Christ. Jeremiah did. In Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 6, Jeremiah speaks about this one who is the Lord our righteousness. Do you know how Jeremiah saw Jesus Christ? Jeremiah saw Jesus Christ in his saving work, providing righteousness for those who need righteousness. I ask you the question, do you need righteousness to stand before God this morning? You most certainly do. And in the gospel, there is one who's called the Lord of righteousness, and it's that person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you come to him? Will you believe on him? Will you give, will you give your heart over to him? You see, Jeremiah saw Christ. Ezekiel saw Christ as well. We can make a case that Ezekiel saw Christ in the first chapter. Again, that, that, that manifestation of God that in many ways parallels what we read in the book of Revelation. But I think in a special way we see, we see uh, Ezekiel's vision of Jesus Christ in, in Ezekiel 34. There in Ezekiel 34, there is God speaking. I will be your shepherd. I will gather you. I will gather the flocks that scattered among the hills and hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am the good shepherd of the sheep. You see, Ezekiel saw Jesus Christ as the good shepherd of the sheep. Daniel saw the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He saw that one who came to the Ancient of Days and, and was given unto him an everlasting dominion whose kingdom knows no end. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. These men, they saw Jesus Christ. And I'm saying to you, if you and I are going to have any kind of a prophetic impact on the world in which we live, we must have this clear Biblically informed vision of Jesus Christ. Not these new visions, not these dreams that we may have, but a, but, a, but, a, but a manifestation and a presentation of Jesus Christ from the scriptures. You've heard me say this before. I've never seen a true picture of Jesus Christ, but I've seen his face wonderfully drawn on the pages of scripture. Oh, that we might have that kind of a, that kind of a, a vision of Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ comes to us through the word of God. And let me say this, you see, do you notice how we keep coming back to the word of God? This is what, the, this is what a prophetic voice is. A prophetic voice is not merely a bold voice. A prophetic voice is not merely an arrogant voice. A prophetic voice is not merely an insightful voice. A prophetic voice is that word of God applied to the situation of the day, made effective and made penetrating through the work of the Spirit of God. Set forth the word of God before your friends and before the world at large. Set forth the word of God before your own soul. You see, this is, as I said before, the range of prophetic uh, of, 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 a, of a prophetic voice doesn't start out there. It starts in here. You remember what God said to Jeremiah uh, to, to Ezekiel? You take these words and you hear these words. And so here we see these four characteristics: a forehead that resists the opposition of the ungodly, eyes that weep for the destruction that sin brings. Insight that's able to bring together all of Scripture and to be able to, to, be able to make the right, the, the right statement at the right time. A vision of the exalted Christ. And you know what, again, is particularly interesting about this? When we look at these prophetic characteristics that we, that we draw together from these four prophets, we see each of these characteristics in the person of Jesus Christ. Each of these characteristics are in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me get you the passages of Scripture here. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ is, is about to go uh, to, um, uh, when our Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is about to go uh, to, uh, uh, to, to Jerusalem to accomplish the work of redemption? Do you remember that? Do you remember in, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse, uh, verse uh, 51, it says this of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face. Oh, there's something in that forehead of Ezekiel, isn't there? This resolve, this determination to do the will of the Father. That, 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 final, that final verse in, in John 14, verse 31, where the Lord Jesus Christ says this, Arise, let us go hence, that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, Jesus Christ wants to be known as one who loves the Father and his, his love for the Father will be seen in his obedience. So because of that, he sets his face to Jerusalem. He knew what was in front of him. He knew the weight of your sin and the weight of my sin would be upon him. But he set his face toward Jerusalem. You see, he wouldn't be swayed. Secondly, what about the eyes of Jeremiah? Did any eyes weep as our Lord Jesus Christ's eyes wept when he looked at Jerusalem as he was going there to accomplish his task? Luke 13, 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which killest the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather, uh, uh, doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not see the tears of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what about the insight of Daniel? Well, we see something of that as well. In Luke 19, verses 41 and 44, again toward the end of his ministry. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, 
Even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee on every side. And they shall lay thee on, even with the ground, even thy children, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ knew the times. Of course he knew the times. He's the Lord of glory. But you see, these characteristics are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what about this vision of Isaiah? How can we say that Jesus had a vision of himself? Well, I would put it to you in this way. Jesus had a vision of himself in this regard. Jesus knew that if preaching was to be done, he must be setting forth himself to those who hear. That's why after his resurrection, when he's on the Emmaus Road, what does he do? He goes into the scripture. He goes from Moses and the writings and all the prophets. And he shows to these two all the things in the scripture concerning himself. You see, if Jesus Christ were here, he would be preaching himself. And if any... And if any voice is to be prophetic in our day, it will do the same. It will preach Jesus Christ to our day. My brothers and sisters, knowing this is not enough, who has a forehead like this, like Ezekiel? Only God can do that. Who can truly weep for the sins and for the destruction? Only only the Spirit of God can do that. Who can have the insight of a day? Only the Spirit of God can work that in us. Who can have this vision of Christ? But you see, when the Word of God is open and when the Spirit of God is working, these things are possible, brothers and sisters. That's why it is possible to have a prophetic voice in the world today. And that's why that prophetic voice must start by being applied to ourselves, to our church, and to the society at large. May God give us all these characteristics that we might be a saving and prophetic voice to our generation. Let us pray.